Let us pray. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hebrews 11.6 My good works are not enough to please you, Lord. My belief in your reality is what you're looking for in me. You created me for an intimate love relationship with you. You desire to fellowship with me and have honest communion with me. As I diligently seek you in your word and through prayer, you will reveal yourself to me. Out of the overflow of my love for you, good works will naturally spring forth. They will be born from my faith in you and not the pride of my flesh. What is born of the spirit of love has eternal value. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's daily prayer. For more inspiration and an incredible message from our feature pastor, stay tuned to Pray.com's Sunday Service. Welcome to Pray.com's Sunday Service, sponsored by Altrua HealthShare. Follow this podcast and listen weekly to receive godly wisdom and practical advice for daily living. Stay tuned for Sunday Service, coming up after a quick word from our sponsors. There's an innovative, better way to find health care. We're Altrua HealthShare, an affordable and flexible way to take care of your family. We're a community of like-minded, health-conscious individuals who share in each other's medical needs. And you can customize your health care your way with Altrua HealthShare. You can build your membership based on your season of life and your family's needs. Head to myshare.org to find out more. That's myshare.org. Altrua HealthShare, where we care for one another. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Listen to the podcast, Heroes in the Bible, Jesus, with Dr. Tony Evans. Do not be afraid. The Lord is with you. Mary looked at the angel, perplexed. I am Gabriel, and I have come with good news. You, O favored one, are chosen. Jesus was under for a moment, and when he emerged, the heavens opened up like a breaking dam. Light poured forth from the skies. This is my beloved Son. It is in Him I am pleased. Caiaphas opened his arms and raised his voice. You have heard it. What have you to say for yourself, Jesus? Tell the whole room that you have made claims to be the Son of Jehovah. I am as you said. Listen to Heroes in the Bible Jesus with Dr. Tony Evans on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to From His Heart, where today Pastor Jeff Shreve continues his new series, Beyond Amazing, Understanding the Grace of God. Where do you go in times of need, in times of temptation, struggle, and failure? Join Pastor Jeff as we learn three encouraging insights about the mercy of God that we find at 
the throne of grace. chapter 4, such a great passage of scripture. Hebrews was written by uh, an unnamed author. We don't know who wrote Hebrews. I love what Walter Martin says about Hebrews. It says, the book of Hebrews was written by a Hebrew to other Hebrews telling the Hebrews to stop acting like Hebrews. <laughs> See, what, what is the book of Hebrews it's about? It, it's talking to Jews Jews who were true believers in one camp and intellectual believers but never really trusted Christ in another camp. And the third camp was those who were investigating Jesus. And the book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus is better than Moses, better than Aaron, better than the temple, better than Melchizedek, better than the angels. He is the pearl of great price. He is everything. And the judicial or the, uh, uh, the sacrificial system that is recorded in the book of Leviticus, that is obsolete because the Lamb of God has come and he has given himself and he is now our high priest and we don't need to give the sacrifices anymore. So a Hebrew telling Hebrews to stop acting like Hebrews, we don't have to have the sacrificial system anymore because Jesus has made that obsolete. And this is what he says in chapter four, beginning in verse 14. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Three insights from these three verses that are so encouraging, that are so helpful, that have helped me, and I trust they will help you. Insight number one, our great high priest has paved the way for us. He has paved the way for us. Since then, verse 14, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Now, this is a Jewish book written to Jews. They knew about the sacrificial system. They knew about the high priest. You know, the high priest was uh, from the tribe of Levi, and he was a descendant of Aaron. You had all the priests came from the tribe of Levi, Levi. But the chief priest, the high priest, the ones who went into the temple, the ones who offered the sacrifices, they were from the sons uh, or from the lineage of Aaron, Moses' brother Aaron. And the, the chief priest, the high priest, would go into the temple one time a year and he'd go past the outer court, into the inner court, into the innermost court, and he would offer sacrifices for, for the people on the Day of Atonement, on Yom Kippur. Well, that was the high priest in the Old Testament. 
That's the high priest that the Jews knew, these Hebrews that he's writing to, they knew about that. He says, Jesus is not just a high priest. He's a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. He's the greatest high priest. He's greater than any Aaron. He's greater, greater than any Melchizedek. He's greater than any angel. He is the great high priest. And what has he done? He has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. Jesus became our high priest through the blood of his cross and the power of his resurrection. That's when he became our high priest. Some will argue with that and say, well, he was the high priest in John 17 as he prays his high priestly prayer. But he became the high priest, according to scripture, when he died on the cross and rose again from the dead. Look what it says in Hebrews 2:17. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation, satisfaction, forgiveness for the sins of the people. That's what Jesus did when he died on the cross and rose again from the dead and then ascended into heaven. He, he passed through the heavens. The high priest would pass through the veil, but when Jesus died on the cross, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and he has passed through all the way to the heavens, and what did he do when he ascended to heaven? He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. No priest ever did that. No high priest ever sat down. You didn't, there's no chair in the holy place or in the holy of holies. Definitely not in the Holy of Holies. You don't want to sit down in the Holy of Holies. If you said, I'm just going to hang out in the presence of God here in the Holy of Holies, for sure you would have been fried. So you go in there, you do what you need to do, and you get out. No priest ever sat down. Here's what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 11, and every priest stands daily ministering and offer, offering time after time the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But he, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified." The Old Testament priests, they sacrifice year after year, day after day. There's always sacrifices taking place at the temple. John MacArthur said a priest in the Old Testament uh, system was basically a butcher. He, he's just constantly cutting up animals and offering them on the altar. And the high priest is going in on the day of Yom Kippur, offering blood on the altar. Jesus offered himself. Behold, the Lamb of God, John the Baptist said, who takes away the sin of the world. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are sanctified, those who are set apart in Jesus. So he sat down because his work was finished. What did he say on the cross? It is finished. Tetelestai, paid in full. I paid it all. And the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And Jesus lives to make intercession for us. Now, this is interesting about the Lord Jesus. See, in the Old Testament, you have three offices, three main offices that are talked about. The office of priest, and priest is an intercessor. He's a go-between. He presents the people to God, God to the people. The priest, he stands in the gap. And then you have the prophet who speaks on behalf of God, and we, we read about so many Old Testament prophets. And then you have the king, and the, the king was not a prophet and he was not a priest. 
You remember in the book of 1 Samuel, Saul loses his kingdom. Why? Because he took on the role of priest. He was waiting for Samuel. Samuel was both a prophet and a priest. He was waiting for Samuel to offer the sacrifice, but Samuel was delayed in coming, and Saul got nervous because the people started to flee from him, and they started to drift away, and so he took on the office of priest, and he offered the sacrifice, and sure as the world, while he's offering the sacrifice, here comes Samuel, and he says, what are you doing? You have violated your position. You are not a priest. You're the king. And so in, in Old Testament times, you didn't, you didn't take on something else like that. The king never became the priest, and the priest was never the king. But in the Lord Jesus, he is prophet, priest, and king. And his earthly ministry is primarily prophet. He's preaching. He didn't do anything in the temple. Jesus didn't go to the temple and say, well, now I'm going to offer sacrifices. Uh, it's Yom Kippur. I'll go behind the Holy of Holies. He didn't do that. He was prophet. But then when he died on the cross, he took on and rose again from the dead. He took on the position of priest. And where is Jesus now? The Bible says he is in heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God and Hebrews 7.25 he always lives to make intercession for them. He's interceding for you and for me. See, the devil, the Bible tells us, Revelation chapter 12, he accuses us before God day and night, and the Lord defends us. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He defends us before God night and day, and he is praying for his children, interceding. He ever lives to make intercession for those who are saved. So what is he doing right now? He's acting as priest. And when he comes again, Revelation chapter 19, riding the white horse, he comes back as king. Prophet, priest, and king. Our great high priest has paved the way for us. Second insight, our great high priest has sympathy for us. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Now, it'd be easy as you're reading uh, verse 14, Jesus, the Son of God. The Son of God did this. The Son of God offered himself. The Son of God caused the veil to be torn from top to bottom. The Son of God sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Uh, how do you approach God? And, and, and can, can the Son of God, which, you know, don't ever get the idea that there's God and there's the Son of God and He's somehow lesser than God. No, in the minds of the Hebrews, if you said that uh, Jesus was the Son of God, that means Jesus is deity. I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Before Abraham was born, I am. He is the great I am. The Son of God is co-equal with God, and they knew that. That's why they said to Pilate, he didn't want to crucify Jesus. He wanted to release Jesus, and they said, we have a law, and by that law, he deserves to die, for he has declared himself the Son of God. He has blasphemed because he said he was God, and he must die. That was the reason that Jesus was crucified. He was crucified for being who he was, 
the Son of God. But now we look at that and we say, uh, you know, this, this idea about coming uh, before the throne of grace and, and uh, telling my problems to Jesus, the Son of God, I have trouble sharing my struggles with God. You know, how, how does God understand what I am struggling with? Well, He is Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, the Son of God. Obviously, the Son of God refers to His deity, but Jesus refers to His humanity. Jesus of Nazareth, or as they would say in Aramaic, Aramaic uh, Yeshua and Zaret. That's what they called Him, Jesus of Nazareth. They knew that Jesus of Nazareth was a human being. He was a man. And Jesus is both God and man, very God of very God, very man of very man, as much God as though he were not man at all, as much man as though he were not God at all. It is mind-boggling how he can be all God and all man at the same time. I love what Job says. You know, Job, who was going through all kinds of difficulty, didn't understand why he was going through what he was going through. He didn't have the benefit of knowing that, that Satan and God had been talking about him. He just knew that his life totally fell apart, and he's lost everything. He's lost his children, and his heart is broken, and he's scraping himself with a piece of broken pottery as he's covered from head to toe in sore boils. And he says this. He says in Job 9, for God is not a man as I am that I may answer him, that we may go to court together. There is no umpire between us who may lay his hand upon us both. Isn't that interesting? Job's one of the oldest books in the Bible. Job is probably a contemporary of Abraham. And Job said way back when, oh, I wish there was someone who could be an umpire between sinful man and holy God, somebody who could understand man's situation and could understand God's situation, understand man's situation because he's a man, understand God's situation because he's God. He was calling for the Lord Jesus, who is the mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He can lay his hand upon God's throne because he is God. He can lay his hand upon Job and sinners because he was made like us. He's human. He's both. And he can understand and relate to our weaknesses. We don't have a high priest. Even though he's the Son of God, he's Jesus, the Son of God. We don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. That word sympathize means to commiserate, to have compassion, to have fellow feelings. He knows what it's like to be weak. He knows what it's like to have physical weakness, to have emotional weakness. We, we struggle. We have weaknesses physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. We have struggles uh, morally, and we're weak. Hey, Jesus experienced hunger. Jesus experienced thirst. Jesus got tired. Jesus experienced the pain of uh, being laughed at, being mocked, being spit upon. He knows what it's like. He can sympathize with our weaknesses. And everybody in this room, you have weaknesses, I have weaknesses, we have weaknesses. The strongest among us has feet of clay. That's why we need to walk uh, very humbly because nobody's arrived we have our weaknesses. He understands those. He can relate to those. He has compassion. He, he feels for you in your weaknesses. And he knows exactly what it's like to be tempted. 
We don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Every temptation you've experienced, he experienced. Jesus took the full load from the devil, the very most that he could give the Lord Jesus in terms of temptation. You and I cave at six. Jesus took it all the way to 10. And he resisted even to the point of shedding blood. He knows what it's like to be tempted better than you know what it's like to be tempted. And he's able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. We don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize and commiserate and have fellow feelings about your weaknesses, my weaknesses, our weaknesses, our temptations, our struggles. He knows and he cares. Our great high priest has paved the way for us. Our great high priest has sympathy for us. And insight number three, our great high priest has made a throne of grace for us. A throne of grace for you and for me. Verse 16 is such a great verse. Because we have this great high priest who has made a sacrifice and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God and has gone through the heavens and he feels for us and has compassion and sympathy and knows what it's like to be tempted, it says in verse 16, let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Remember, remember what my friend Ron said? My friend Ron, more and more Ron, he said, I can't come. When I've committed this sin, then I can't come to God. I'm just too filthy. I'm too uh, sinful. I'm too alienated from God. I can't come and I can't pray. But verse 16 says you can. It says you can draw near with confidence to the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, we can come to God with confidence because of Jesus. Confidence because of Jesus. We don't come on our merits, your merit, my merit, the Apostle Paul's merit, the writer of Hebrews' merits. We don't come uh, based on how good we are because we're not. Our righteous deeds are as a filthy rag before God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We come based on what Jesus did, based on his merits. See, Ephesians 1.6 says that we are accepted in the beloved, and the beloved is Jesus. And when we accept Jesus, he accepts us, and then we're accepted in him. Ephesians 4.32 says that uh, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Why did God forgive me for Christ's sake? Because he accepted what Jesus did on the cross. He put an exclamation point on it when he raised him from the dead. That paid, that was the propitiation for our sins. That was the satisfaction, the forgiveness for our sins, what Jesus did on the cross and through his empty tomb. And anybody who comes to Jesus in repentance and faith, they're placed into Jesus. And when God sees you, he doesn't see you. He sees his own son. And if you're struggling with sin, as we all struggle with sin, you can come boldly with confidence to the throne of grace, knowing that the Lord will receive you because in Jesus you're accepted in the blood. See, we have confidence in the fact that we're going to be accepted. 
Jesus said, the one who comes to me will by no means be cast out. I won't throw you out if you come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, he says. So if you're weary and heavy laden and beaten down and broken down, you can come to the Lord. The prostitute in Luke 7 could come to the Lord and weep at his feet. And he says, your sins have been forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, Simon the Pharisee, this is a story in Luke 7, he sees that and he says, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. He wouldn't let her touch him. She is an immoral woman. She's a prostitute. You don't, as a prophet, you don't let a woman like that touch you. She was coming with a broken heart. She was coming repentantly to the Lord. And what does he have for repentant sinners? Grace. We can come to God with confidence because of Jesus, and we can come to God and receive mercy and more grace. Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy. Oh, I need mercy, especially when I fail. And we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. David in Psalm 51 after he sinned with Bathsheba, after he had her husband Uriah the Hittite killed, such terrible, horrible sins. And he comes before the Lord, be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Be gracious, gracious, be merciful to me, O God. He needed God's mercy. He needed God's grace. You need it. I need it. We need it. God's mercy and grace. And God sits on a throne of grace. And the Bible says of Jesus, of his fullness, we have all received and grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. God is the God of all grace. He has an inexhaustible supply of grace. And we say grace is the unmerited favor of God. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. But he gives it to you anyway. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is the desire, one definition too, it's the desire and the power to live for the Lord. Remember what we said, grace is big. It's like grabbing onto Orca. You can't do it, it's just so massive. But it's the desire and the power, one definition, to live for the Lord. And so when we blow it, we come before the Lord and we come before his throne of grace. He doesn't sit on a throne of judgment for his children. He doesn't sit on a throne of condemnation for his children. He doesn't sit on a throne of disgust for his children. He doesn't sit on a throne of termination for his children. That's it. You're done. Get out of here. I've forgiven you for that sin. Now this is the 500th time. That's it. 70 times 7, 490. You're done. Uh, that's, That's all. No, it's the throne of grace, and he's the God of all grace, and grace is an inexhaustible supply. That's the throne that the Lord sits on for his children, and we can draw near with confidence to that throne. Beyond amazing that I could come into the presence of God. The high priest only come in there one time a year. He came with fear and trepidation and he didn't stay long and now there's no more veil and the Lord says come and come early and come often and come as long and stay as long as you want in my presence and marinate in my presence. I'm a God who loves you. I understand what you're going through. I care about you. I have mercy and grace to help you in your time of need. So let me ask you this question. Are you coming regularly 
to the throne of grace. Now, if not, why not? Have you ever received God's amazing grace? Have you ever had all your sins forgiven and your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? If not, today is the day for you. Just pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I need you. I know that I'm a sinner and I'm lost and I can't save myself. But Jesus, I believe that you are God in the flesh. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the dead. And right now, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Come into my heart, forgive me of all my sins, make me the person you want me to be, and I make the commitment to follow you all the days of my life. My friend, if you'll pray that kind of prayer and mean it, the Lord will come in and your life will never be the same. I'd love to hear from you, so take the time to contact me and we'll pray for you. Today's message, The Throne of Grace, is from Pastor Jeff Shreve's brand new seven-message series, Beyond Amazing, Understanding the Grace of God. And the series and today's lesson are available in multiple formats when you call 877-777-6171 or go online to fromhisheart.org. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Those words were written by John Newton, a former slave ship captain who experienced the unmerited love, forgiveness, and favor of God through Jesus Christ. Newton was saved, and he never got over it. Until the day he died, he was singing of God's amazing grace. In my new seven-message series titled, Beyond Amazing, Understanding the Grace of God, you'll discover afresh how deep and wide this unfathomable grace that God has offered to undeserving sinners like you and me. I believe this series will help open your heart to receive His grace to the full and learn to rest in Him each and every day. It's available for your gift to From His Heart Ministries. We praise God for the way He's using us together to touch lives for Christ all over the world. So thank you for your prayers and financial partnership. God bless you. To receive Pastor Jeff Shreve's new seven-message series, Beyond Amazing, Understanding the Grace of God, in the format of your choice, make your gift today to From His Heart of Any Amount when you call 877-777-6171 or go online to fromhisheart.org. Thank you for watching From His Heart, the viewer-supported broadcast ministry of Dr. Jeff Shreve, who believes that no matter how badly you may have messed up in life, God still loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. You can find out more about that plan. Go to fromhisheart.org. Real truth, real The podcast, The Bible in a Year with Jack Graham, is a moving and inspiring biblical audio experience that will help you master wisdom from the world's greatest book. In each episode, you'll learn to apply biblical principles to everyday life. Each cinematic episode is a journey through the Bible's most profound stories that will strengthen your appreciation of the Word and inspire you to keep learning. Listen to The Bible in a Year with Jack Graham on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are, leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Listen to the podcast, Heroes in the Bible, Jesus, with Dr. Tony Evans. This is my beloved son. It is in him I am pleased. What have you to say for yourself, Jesus? Your name claims to be the son of Jehovah. I am as you said. Listen to Heroes in the Bible, Jesus, with Dr. Tony Evans on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.